Hello, I'm Shelly Till. Welcome to the Too Much Grit to Quit podcast, where I speak to some of the greatest athletic minds about overcoming adversity and building your grit muscle. I'd like to welcome in my guest. He is a former University of Iowa Hawkeye standout tight end and currently with the Denver Broncos, Noah Fant. Welcome. Great to see you. Appreciate it. Happy to be on. I am so happy that you are here. Um, and, you know, let's just get right into it. Um, first of all, I want to start. I know you had a birthday recently, so happy birthday. Appreciate that. <laughs> you bet. So what's it like to be a, you're 23, right? Correct. Yep. A 23-year-old living the dream, the childhood dream, playing in the NFL in Denver, Colorado. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. It's a dream come true. Um, you know, just a, a huge blessing that I've been able to live out my dream here. And um, I love it out here in Colorado, so I can't complain at all. What's your favorite thing about being in Denver? Uh, I would say the mountains, the mountain line, you know, driving into downtown Denver, um, it's, it's just beautiful, right? It's, you don't you don't get that everywhere you go. So I'd say that's definitely my favorite part. Have you had any time to actually get out and enjoy the scenery or do you hike? Do you ski? Do you do any of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So actually, I've actually been up in the mountains a couple of times with my buddies, uh, riding like ATVs, like four wheelers and stuff like that. So, uh, that's a really good time. Super, you know, super crazy to see just how beautiful the nature is up there, all the trees. Um, so yeah, I've done that a couple of times and definitely liked it a lot. So. I would imagine, though, as an NFL player, your skiing is a little bit uh, prohibited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can't ski for for uh, no. You do those reasons, so <laughs> <laughs> understandably so. Yeah. Well, Noah, um, obviously, you you know uh, uh, were first round draft pick in uh, to the Broncos. Um, had a phenomenal standout rookie season, holding the the record for tight ends in terms of most receptions and receiving yards for a Denver Bronco rookie tight end. I saw an article where you recently graded yourself and you gave yourself a B minus. And I'm mm -hmm. curious to know why you gave that grade. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I just hold myself to a super high standard. Um, just want to be, you know, one of the best to do it. And we got guys, um, you know, like George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, guys like that, that are, you know, paving the way showing, you know, how it's to be done and things like that. And I'm just trying to get to that level. So, uh, you know, just trying to progress and get better. So I, uh, you know, that was a great, I gave myself. And what is it that you think uh, separates you from a B minus to an A? What do you need to do to get there? I think, you know, just overall general improvement, right? Improvement in the run game, blocking, things like that. Um, you know, improve also improvement in the passing game, which is a multiple different things, recognizing coverage, um, beating man to man coverage, things like that. Um, that will help me, you know, and continue to get better. So, um, so I know that, so the tight end, you mentioned George mm -hmm. and the tight end position, I feel like in the last few years has really emerged and mm -hmm. it's, it's hopefully getting more, more recognition and more respect. And I, I think, you know, a lot of times we talk about the tight end as being, he's either a blocking tight end or he's a receiving tight end. And then there's mm -hmm. a few hybrids. What do right. you refer to yourself at? What do you think you're best at? Yeah. So I'm trying to model my game to be that hybrid guy, right. You know, to be on the field as much as possible. Um, you know, that's why I try to take pride in both facets of the game. Like you said, there's some guys that are really good in the run game, maybe not as good in the receiving game and vice versa. So, uh, I just want to be good at really, really good at both of them. And, uh, I think if I can do that, that I'll, you know, help my, help my team out a lot. You strike me as a guy that just wants to be really good at everything you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, who would you say you, you, well, let me say this first. I have read where people have, uh, 
referred or, or compared you to and said that you remind them of guys like Shannon Sharp. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a faster Gronk. Um, Vernon Davis, yeah. uh, Antonio Gates, and even George Kittle. Who would you say you kind of model your game after? If Or maybe it's a, a blend. Yeah, so I've watched a lot of film on Shannon Sharp and George, obviously. Like, going to college with George and seeing him, like, progress and becoming into what he what he is and what he everything that he's done um it's something that's really cool so i watch him a lot and watch shannon sharp a lot so um i de- i watch a little bit of gronk also um gronk's a little bit different he's just he's a massive human being right so maybe some of the things that he does i wouldn't quite be able to do but uh guys that I, you know i have similar body types to me and things like that i try to watch a lot so definitely those two that i mentioned um you know, i try to model my game after so well, I know that uh, your family has very, very important to you and has played a major impact. Your brother coached you in high school. Um, I'm curious to know, when you look back, even in your younger years, even maybe before high school, because it sounds to me like NFL football has always been on your radar. Mm-hmm. So who inspired you the most growing up? Yeah, so, I mean, as a young as a young kid, my dad was always my coach, right? So he always pushed me to be better. Um, but I really, you know, my role model was my older brother, Chris. Um, he was playing college football at the time um, at, at a Division II college. And I just kind of just wanted to be like him, right? I wanted to play football and, you know, get to college one day and everything of, everything of the sort. So he was my definitely my role model. And my dad definitely pushed me a lot to, you know, achieve my dreams and, and do that stuff that I wanted to do. So. What's the age difference between you and Chris? Uh, Ten years. Okay. Yep. So he, yeah, he definitely had somebody to look up to there. Yeah, for sure. So when I was like, you know, obviously when I was eight, he was, you know, just about to graduate high school and go into college and stuff. So it was a good little gap where I got to see him just kind of progress and grow, grow up also. What would you say the role, I know the role of your family clearly has been important in, in, as him being your coach, but talk about the role of your family uh, as you were in college, in high school and college, what was the role? What uh, what did they play in terms of helping you and supporting you and kind of because, look, I've, I've been a college athlete. I've raised two college athletes. I've coached college sports. I, I'm an analyst in college basketball. So you get to see, you know, uh, the, the glory and, and the, you know, the good stuff, but there's always adversity that goes on behind the scenes. So we'll get into some of that, but really what was the role of your family in terms of that? Yeah. So, um, like I was saying before, my, you know, obviously my brother and my dad were, had two roles, right? They were the coaches at times. And then they were like the father and my brother at times also. So they kind of played a, a double role and obviously, um, try to navigate my way through that. But yeah, I mean, the rest of my family is just super supportive, always there for me bad games, good games, anything of the above. And they were always willing to talk to me and, you know, have fun with me even after the bad games and just trying to kind of cheer me up. So uh, I was definitely very grateful for that. Did you guys ever have, because like I, so I coached Claire, you know, Mm -hmm. and Claire played basketball at Iowa. So I coached her in high school and, you know, of course, coached Riley in in his younger years as well. Mm -hmm. So was there ever a did you guys have like a code or how did that work when you were talking to your dad or your brother after games? Like when did, when did you need them to be dad or brother? And when did you need them to be coach or did it just yeah, kind it, of, were the lines blurred? Cause they yeah, were with it, me. <laughs> it was a little bit blurred at times, right? Because it's kind of hard to navigate. Cause you, I mean, I'm sure, you know, as a parent, you just want to push them and, you know, help them in every way you can. So especially when I got to high school and my brother was my high school coach, we definitely butted heads at times. 
Um, but you know, he got me a lot better, honestly. So I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. Like there was definitely some blurred lines, but maybe they needed to be blurred. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Well, you can say that now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt you felt that way at the time. Right. Uh, so I saw a thing where your dad, um, said to you, you know, you've, you've accomplished every goal that you've ever set out to do. You've always wanted to be the best. Mm -hmm. And clearly you have, you did that at Iowa. We talked about your record setting performance there. Uh, you are a first round draft pick for the Broncos. I'm curious now that you're there and they're in your second season, what are the, what are the goals? What do you have? What, how, cause once you dream and you achieve it, you have to dream bigger. So what are your bigger dreams going forward? Yeah. So the next step is to, you know, try to establish myself as, you know, one of the, one of the great tight ends in the NFL, obviously my dream, my overall dream, once I'm done with the NFL is to try to be a hall of fame guy and try to be one of the greatest to, you know, have done the tight end position. Um, obviously that's a huge feat. Um, very few people in, you know, in the world get to do that, but, um, you know, I've kind of made those goals step by step and I've gotten here. So now, you know, I think, like you said, you have to take it to the next level and that's, that's the next level for me. So. And how do you go about Noah? How do you go about bringing your teammates in and helping you with that quest? You know, that, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I think, I think it starts with having a, a good, like a, a good uh, chemistry with your teammates and a good overall, um, I'm trying to think of the word for it, uh, like a good overall vibe with the team, right? If everybody wants to, you know, strive for greatness, if everybody wants to push each other and, you know, try to become better, your teammates are going to naturally push you forward and naturally get you to where you want to go. So, um, you know, I think everybody knows each other's goals. Um, a lot of guys and, you know, that are in the NFL have set those goals to, you know, I want to, I want to get better here. I want to, I want to further, you know, further get myself further down the line. And, um, I think, you know, if you had that chemistry with your teammates that they do a good job of pushing. So let's uh, kind of back things up a little bit. Um, you know, as you, as you look at your high school career and, playing for your brother. And I know he was, as you mentioned, a a huge role model for you. As you look back at, at that time in your life, what were the, what challenged you? What specifically, what do you mean specifically challenged? Like what, what were some challenges that you met or did everything just kind of come easy to you during those maybe four years in high school? Yeah. So I, I I definitely hit some challenges early on. So, um, Early in my career, I played. I played up, right. So right when I was freshman and sophomore year, I, I played up to varsity. So there was definitely some early challenges on there. Um, just getting used to every 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 time you take a step up, the game is faster. You know, the older guys know more things like that. So there was definitely some challenges um, early on trying to you know navigate through those things. And um, but you know, I was able to get through those and uh, push through those at the time. So. How did you handle the, cause if you played up, I'm sure there were a lot of naysayers. A lot of people mm-hmm. that didn't probably like that. We've, we've all seen uh, how people can be cruel, yeah. uh, especially to young male and female athletes who are underclassmen. So how did you handle that from an emotional standpoint? Honestly, it was, it was one of those things that my, my goal at the time was, you know, to earn a college scholarship, to earn a D one scholarship. So I was like, I don't really care what anybody else is saying. I'm, I'm on this goal, right? I'm, I'm, for, I'm focused on this goal to get to this goal. And uh, so I wasn't, you know, I kind of just blocked all that stuff out and was, you know, locked in on what I wanted to do. So it sounds like you knew your purpose really early yeah, on. For sure. 
Yeah. And that, that's a great uh, driving force that really can help a lot of people. So your purpose, you knew that early on, you had a very supportive family, obviously had a supportive coach who was your brother. So let's get, uh, you, you jump into the University of Iowa, highly touted there. I know they were, there were some discussion whether you, which side of the ball you were going to play on mm-hmm. going into that because of your, your, you're so talented. Um, I actually asked George, I said, what do you remember about, uh, about Noah and what really stood out to you, uh, uh, about him when he, when you were at Iowa and immediately his response to me was that you're a playmaker. You mm. just know how to get, how to make plays. And there's a reason, uh, that being the reason you own the tight end touchdown record at the university of Iowa. Mm-hmm. So what during your college years, again, leaving there, record holder, first round draft pick, everybody would look at that and go, oh, well, that must have been easy for him. Mm-hmm. But you you didn't get through, through those three years at Iowa without adversity and without, mm-hmm. you know, uh, some questioning of were you being used in the right ways and that type of thing. So just, just kind of talk about what were some of the er- earlier adversities you remember experiences as a, as a college athlete? Yeah, I mean, my, a, a lot of all of my um adversity was in my freshman year um kind of a similar situation like i said it's it's weird how it kept happening but so my freshman year obviously george was our starting tight end i was kind of like a fill-in backup guy um that was playing my true freshman year so i went through a lot of growing pains just getting used to the college life getting used to the the speed of the game getting used to you know these guys have been working out for three, four years. And I was trying to block them and run routes against them and stuff. So I went through a lot of growing pains. Right. Um, but we had great leadership in our tight end room that, that helped with that and just kind of helped pave the way and model the, a mindset to have to, you know, just go out there and have fun. And, you know, there's going to be mistakes had made mistakes had, but, uh, you know, enjoy what you're doing. You're here for a reason and you're living out your dream. So, um, that's what kind of made it easier. Right. And, uh, made it easier to t- deal with those, um, deficiencies and deal with those mistakes and move on from them. So I have to ask you if you have any good George Kittle stories. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> there's, there's a bunch of good stories, right? Um, I'd have to think that's, that's tough. I, I spend a lot of, a lot of good time to George, you know, after wins, you know, hanging out with them and um, him and CJ Beathard together were some of the funniest guys I've ever met. So um, I had a lot, I had a lot of good times with them just talking to him and, having fun and, you know, playing around. So, um, there, obviously there's a bunch of good memories from, you know, him making some crazy plays on the field also. So, so he's, uh, you know, been known in the league obviously as, as kind of a goofball. Mm-hmm. Was he that way at Iowa? A hundred percent. Like he might not have shown it to everybody, but in the tight end room, he was always joking around. Um, uh, like he's, he's good at lightening up the mood, no matter this case, no, no matter the case scenario, he's always good at bringing the fun back into the game and, uh, you know, not a lot of guys can do that. He just, he just has that contagious energy. That's, you know, that's really fun to be around. So let's talk about 2020 because 2020 has been a year of craziness and, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of just, n- nobody could have scripted this year, um, uh, whether it's professionally, personally, whatever, um, you're in your second year at the NFL, uh, you know, with everything that went on, for you guys in terms of not being able to get to training camp when you needed to, and just the, the COVID testing and all the protocols that are in place. How has that been for you? 
you know, it, it's been wild. It's been definitely something <laughs> to get used to. Um, like you were saying, all the protocols that we have to abide by and follow uh, have been tough. So, you know, just trying to navigate through that. And, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, say like so many people have said now that it's like, you know, it's such a weird time, but it just feel like it kind of just keeps on pushing back and back further and further. So uh, it's just been something that we've had to get used to and try to make the best out of. So. What's been the most unique challenge or the unique adjustment that you've had to make? Um, I would say the t- contact tracing with your teammates in the building. Um, you know, obviously, usually when you're, when you're with your teammates, you're eating food with them, you're hanging out with them, you're cracking jokes on on the sideline together in practice. Um, and with the contact tracing, you know, you're not supposed to be next to anybody. You're supposed to try to keep your distance from everybody and um, so you don't pop up on that contact tracing list. So I'd say that's been the biggest thing to kind of, you know, get used to um, because you don't really get that team camaraderie that you you get normally. So, so how has that um, actually, you know, what's the good that's come out of that? What are the lessons that you have learned even in this, you know, short season? You know, the the best lesson that I've learned is just kind of roll with the punches, Um, roll with what comes to you. You know, not everything's going to always be perfect or the way you want it. Um, so that's been the best thing. Cause obviously it's gotten all of us out of our comfort zone. We're not used to any of this. Um, it's all been different, but, uh, I think that's the biggest thing I've learned, uh, with this season. You know, I know that your family, um, talks a lot about your faith and that, 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 that's been a really, um, big part of your upbringing. How has that played into your NFL career? I think, I think it's played a big part. Um, obviously I'm, I'm a, I'm a big believer in faith, um, you know, I try to, you know, not define myself in the game. Um, obviously, I want to use God's gifts that he's given me to exemplify him and, you know, show him show all the great things that he's done for me. Um, but also at the same time, you know, not not use this game as, you know, something to proclaim myself or things like that. So um, it, it's been a huge it's played a huge part, though, through my whole life. So that's huge, because, you know, as athletes, a lot of times it becomes our identity. You know, it's, right. it's what you get. Uh, what you're recognized for, what you're, what you're paid for, what you receive accolades for. And then all of a sudden when it's not there, uh, you know, which, which was an issue, I think at the, when, at the beginning of this COVID back in March, you know, that actually impacted a lot of athletes across the country at, in various sports at various levels, because their ability to play their sport or their ability to um, even practice or get in a gym or get in a weight room, was taken away. Right. So, uh, it, it tested a lot of people from an identity standpoint. How did you handle that when this kind of all first, first started? I know you guys were in your off season, but still there was a lot of changes and a lot of things that you would probably have been used to doing that you weren't able to do. Yeah, it was tough. Um, you know, it was good to be blessed the situation I was that I was able to get like workout equipment and stuff like that. I felt terrible for, you know, I can only imagine if I was still back in college and, you know, these guys that you get your monthly stipend from the NCAA and that's really about all you get. And they still expect these guys to be getting in the weight room and things like that. I, I just felt really bad for them. That was a, that would be a really tough time for me if I was in that situation too. So, you know, I was able to make it work, you know, got some dumbbells, some, a bench, things like that to just try to, you know, stay in shape and stay ready. But um, like you were saying, that's, that was a tough situation for, you know, many of my friends that are still in college and um, a lot of athletes across the country. So speaking of, uh, you know, being able to work out and whatnot, I know that you've had um, a couple injuries this year. I know, I mean, look, NFL players play 
hurt all the time. <laughs> Newsflash. <laughs> but uh, just give us an update on how you're doing in that department. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing well. Um, I had a high ankle sprain earlier in the season um, that has gotten a lot better um, each week. So, you know, obviously, like you said, guys play, you, got, you have to play hurt sometimes, a little bit banged up. I had some, I've had some rib issues or I got, had some bruised ribs, but, you know, just, you know, playing through it, you know, you love the game. You want to be out there with your teammates and stuff. So um, playing injured sometimes is just, you know, a part of the job. If you'd like to take a deeper dive into peak performance training, then I invite you to check out my collaboration with Dr. David Kruger, executive mentor coach and CEO of Mentor Path, an executive coaching, training, publishing, and wellness firm who guides performing professionals to achieve and sustain peak performance. If you want to play to win, it requires answering these two questions. One, how can preparation, practice, and performance be developed and applied to consistently generate optimum performance? And two, how can coaches and players individually and collectively achieve and sustain elite performance success? The three peak performance playbooks and seven webinars offer practical guidance for both coaches and players to systematically apply mind, brain, and performance sciences to achieve and sustain optimum success. To sign up for alerts about the upcoming launch schedule, please go to my website, ShellyTill.com, and there you can click on courses and then peak performance. So I know you're from Omaha and snow is something that, you know, in the Midwest you're used to. Mm-hmm. And so with that comes having to be able to drive in said snow. And I know you have a reputation of liking to drive fast. <laughs> so I want to know, what do you call it when you get out into an empty parking lot and uh, start spinning around with the car? What's it called in Omaha? Those are called cookies. From okay. where doing cookies. That's, where, that's what we call them <laughs> back in Omaha. So <laughs> Cutting cookies. All right. All yeah. right. Not donuts. Not I've heard of donuts before. I have heard of that, but we call them, do, you know, doing cookies. So. Okay. Have you ever heard of it up north? They call it whipping shitties. I have never heard of that. <laughs> I, think I might like that one better. Yeah. That is courtesy of former Iowa Hawkeye Callie Peschel, currently okay. Cal, or now Callie Ott, Drew Ott, and Callie. Yep. So I don't know if it's a Drew, but Drew's from Nebraska. So he is. He's from small town Nebraska. So he has I don't know. Trumbull, right? Yeah. Yeah. So some somewhere whip and shitties came into the mix <laughs> between one either Drew or Cali. So I had to drive my moped to the facility and I literally made it all the way into our parking lot and then just spilled. Like try to take a corner and my whole moped slid. I got had snow all over. It was a it was a bad situation, but it was funny and everybody got a good laugh out of it. So it Did you make time. did you make it to lifting on time? I did. I was able to make it to lifting on time, That's which good. is good. Yeah. Okay, so I'm laughing because you guys, did, first of all, did you have a helmet on? I did not have a helmet on, which is my mom. Noah. I know my mom was upset with me. Yeah, see, this is the mom coming out of me. Yeah. So I'm laughing because Riley, who you know, mm-hmm. my son, also would drive that damn moped in like the middle of winter. And I'm like, dude, you have a car. The only other option was to walk. That was yeah. it. So he wiped out too. Yep. And I'm and I laugh. I can laugh now because I literally just this last summer, because now he's in grad school, as you know, out uh, in California, I had to go get that damn moped from Moped <laughs> U, which I don't even know if it's called that anymore. Yeah. And I they brought that thing out. Noah, I was like, 
Oh, good Lord. Thank yeah. God I didn't see this after he wiped out because the it whole, it was wrecked. Yeah. It was just like, <laughs> the mirror was off. It was yeah. scraped all up on one side. I'm like, yeah. you're lucky you're alive. <laughs> da- yeah. Those, mo- those mopeds. Okay. So what about Christmas time? Are you a Christmas fan or no? I'm a huge Christmas fan. Huge oh, Christmas. really? What, what makes you a big fan of Christmas? Um, my favorite thing is putting up the tree, uh, putting on some Christmas music, you know, hanging all the ornaments. Obviously, you know, every family has ornaments that they kept when everybody was a baby or when they were in grade school, stuff like that. And just kind of seeing the history of the family and all that stuff is really cool to me. So, uh, that's one of the biggest thing I enjoy and just kind of, you know, obviously, you know, treating people, uh, in your life that, you know, just saying, you know, you appreciate them and getting them nice things. So. Have you, is your tree up yet? It is not up yet. So I have a tradition where I do not put my tree up until after Thanksgiving. Okay. I understand that. And normally I'm that same way, but this is 2020. Yeah. And we all need something to get us in a better mood. Yeah. (laughs) So mine has been up for two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That might be a little too early for me, but I get it. I get it. So are you a, are you a real tree guy or a artificial tree? I'm an artificial tree guy. Pre-lit or do you string the lights? I string the lights. Oh, you're hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. I don't have the patience for that anymore. Really? I, uh-uh. <laughs> I can't, cannot string the tree lights. It just yeah. drives me insane. I have to, I had a pre-lit tree, went to put it up this year. None of the lights worked. That's so tragic. it was tragic. So now <laughs> I have a three foot tree in my living room. I have, re- I have, re- I have reverted into my grandma. Yeah, <laughs> but oh well. Uh, okay, do you have a cra- favorite Christmas movie? Ooh, it, it would have to be a tie between A Christmas Story with Ralphie and then um, shoot your eye out. Uh, yeah, uh, one of the Home Alones. Obviously, I love the Home Alones. Uh, the Home Alone. Christmas, yeah, that, you know. that's your up. That's your childhood. The Home Alones. Yeah, it is. Yep. <laughs> okay, then answer this question: Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I love that you hesitated. (laughs) That's your answer. Your answer, you hesitated, so your answer is clearly no. Yeah, I'd have I'd have to say no. Thank you. (laughs) I am gonna I'm gonna send this clip to George Kittle because (laughs) he and I have been in a debate about Die Hard being Christmas movie, and he is like, hell yes, it's a Christmas movie. All for it. (laughs) Right. You are on team no die hard Christmas movie. I like it, Noah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It makes me feel better. <laughs> all right. We're going to wrap up uh, the way I wrap up all of my interviews because it is called too much grit to quit. Mm-hmm. So when you hear the word grit, what does that mean to you? When I hear the word grit, that means even when the going gets tough, when things your backs up against the wall, it feels like the world's all coming down and around you. You just keep trudging through. You just keep pushing forward. Uh, you know, people say you buckle your boots and, uh, you know, keep pushing forward and grind it out. I think that's the the biggest definition for grit for me. So do you have a specific practice or something that you do on the field, Noah, in between plays, or maybe it's after something didn't go the way you wanted it to. Is there anything you do in the moment when you're playing to refocus yourself? I just think to myself, next play. That's the like after a bad play or after maybe a missed block or something like that. Next play, next play. I like it's just so easy to you know hang on to one play and just kind of dwell on it. it that's not going to do anything for you, but you know 
have those plays keep coming up. So yep, yep. You just move on next play. You'll you'll be in a good spot. So. So who exemplifies grit to you? Ooh, that's a good one. I would think of probably my brother, my brother Chris. When I I, I watched him. Um, in college, obviously went through some injuries. He had, he had like a fractured vertebrae in his back that he's gone through. You know, he broke his thumb. He's really, he's messed up his ankle pretty bad. And he always, he always, no matter when, no matter how hard the going gets, he always keeps pushing forward. And, um, obviously one of my role models and try to model myself after him. So, uh, I think he's really one of the first people him and obviously I have to give credit to my dad too, but they're the first people that really showed me what that grit looks like in real life. So, um, I'd have to, I'd have to say my brother for sure. Love it. I love it. He'll, I'm sure he will too, when he hears this. Yeah. Speaking of hearing this, so this, this audience is usually either they're wa- going for a walk or they're out working out. They're listening to this on their commute when they can drive to work. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have coaches and athletes who young athletes who are striving to become the best that they can be. And in this climate that we're living in and with all, with so much uncertainty, with, uh, even as we approach the winter sports season, uh, which is really, you know, you've seen college, uh, football teams have to miss games because of COVID there's already basketball games being canceled. Uh, people are struggling. People have lost jobs. People have lost loved ones. People are sick. Uh, there's just a lot of, of really, um, uncertain and adverse times going on in this world that, that, that we live in right now in this time in 2020. So for people that are listening to this podcast right now, Noah, what encouragement would you give to them? Just the everyday person listening on how they can also build that grit muscle and just continue, uh, to, to push through and you know, that there is a light at the end of this tunnel. What are, what words of encouragement would you leave them with? Yeah, I would say, you know, when you do push through that, right. Things, the, the achievement feels so much better knowing what you've come through, knowing what you went through to get to that point. Uh, the achievement feels so much better. There's going to be times in life where things just come raining down around you. And when you push through those and you get to the other side, get to the light at the end of the tunnel, you look back and you say like, man, like I, I really made it through that. And you know, I, I can do this again if I need to. So, um, always, always have, have the faith to push through because you'll never regret it. I love that. You said that you, you can push through this and you've done it once before and you can do it again. Cause that's the, that is the definition of, of building grit muscle. It's right. meeting those challenges and, and using those past experiences like you had growing up, like you had at Iowa, because you know that you've been there, done that, and it just makes you that much stronger. So thank you for that. No problem. Noah, it has been a pleasure. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule and best of luck to you the rest of your season. Thank you. That's a wrap for this edition of Too Much Grit to Quit on Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Shelly Till. Please join me again the next time and make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform.